Father in heaven, thank you uh, for today, God. Uh, just the opportunity again for us to be here with our student ministries, God, and to have the chance to uh, just look at how we can be more kingdom-minded in a sense, God, how we can be authentic people, how we can be people of purpose and intention, God, that we can be ministries that when we go on to the campuses of our schools, God, whether that be junior high, high school, or college, God, that uh, when we step foot there, that a difference is made. God, uh, a lot of uh, students, I think, desire to make a difference on their campuses, but many don't know how to do that, God, and uh, some don't believe they can. So I hope that this weekend we can help equip our students to be able to be able to really uh, turn their campuses upside down for you doing do and do great things, God. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so this morning, uh, one of the things we're going to be talking about today a lot is intentionality, being people who are people of purpose and of intention. Uh, you know, as, as we talk about the way that we do ministry as a church, we talk a lot about discipleship, we talk a lot about relationships, and all of those things, and one of the things that I think students tend to thrive upon is relationship. And I don't think that we're ever going to be the kind of ministries that have an impact on the world that we long to be until we really do understand that relationships are key to that. You see, whenever you, whenever you go to build a ministry or you go to start discipling someone, if you don't have a relationship with that person, it's almost impossible. And I think people, a lot of times, they look at our church and they look at relationships and they're like, man, look at those people, look how close those people are. And relationships are a huge part, but the thing that I think we've got to understand, especially with today's lesson and, and learn to incorporate into our relationships is this. Uh, relationships are key, but the key to making disciples through relationship is intent. It's, it's really that purpose behind why you build the relationships that you do. And, I, and we've got to build within ourselves a personal culture that says, I am a person of intention. I am a person of purpose. And sometimes when we're younger, it's, it's easy to go through life and to be excited about things and, and to just kind of rush through life and not have much purpose or much intent in your life. And I can tell you right now, the people who I've watched come through the campus ministry, who I've watched come through the youth ministry, even when I was in the youth ministry long, long, long time ago, I, I, you could tell the difference between the people who understood what their purpose was, understood what it meant to have intentional relationships and those who didn't. And the way that you could tell the difference in those people is the people who knew how to be intentional in their relationships and knew how to be a person of purpose developed people. They were the kind of people who they would bring people, not only would they bring people to cross chat, not only could they grab a, a crowd of people and bring them somewhere, but they could take those people that they brought closer to God's family, brought them to cross chat, brought them to church, and they could say, hey, it doesn't stop here though, let's go to the next step. And you need to know what it really means to have a relationship with God, what it means to have a relationship with his people. And those people made decisions that they were going to follow Christ and made a difference. The difference in those people and the people who bring people to cross chat or who don't bring people to cross chat is that they, they don't have intent and purpose. And, you know, as I look at our ministries, I think there are, there are some of you out there who are pretty good at pretty good at this in general. You're purposeful people. You understand why you do the things that you do. You understand why you're supposed to have relationships with other people. But for a lot of you, you don't really get it either. And I think that we would be much more powerful as student ministries if each and every single one of you this weekend can learn what it means to be a person of intention. That you can learn when you leave here, you're going, I know exactly why I do what I do, no matter what it is, I know the purpose behind it. And if we can become those kind of people who are authentic, 
purposeful, intentional people, it will change everything. You see, I think a lot of people, we can, you kind of coast by it. This is easy to do in cross chats. It's easy when you have come to cross chat, and most cross chats have that one or two or three students who bring everybody, right? They're the ones who bring the guests, and some of you just skate by. You don't really have to worry about bringing anybody there because your cross chat looks like it's doing fine because you got a bunch of teenagers there. It's over. It's it's almost crazy. But the sad thing is, in a lot of our cross chats, is that a handful of people are doing all of the work for that, and the reason for that isn't because you are incapable of bringing people to Christ. It isn't because you are incapable of getting someone to cross chat. It's not because no one wants to go to cross chat. It's so funny to me whenever I talk to people, I'm like, man, why don't you, why don't you, man, you're in high school, you're in college, it should be easy to get people to come to cross chat. People just don't want to come. Well, that's funny because your peers seem to be bringing tons of people. It's not that people don't want to come. It's not that you're incapable. It's not that you cannot do it. The problem, generally speaking, if you are someone who is not being evangelistically effective is that you are not a person of intention. You don't understand what your purpose is. You don't understand why you should have relationships. So that's what we're going to dive in today and really kind of try to deal with that. But I want to read a quote from the book to you. It says this, maybe one of our biggest problems in Christian culture is that we don't intentionally create it. We tend to simply let culture happen to us. But if culture is made up of the collective values of people, what would happen if Christians as individuals that make up what the Bible calls a peculiar people, the church, your ministry, started to take their cultural contribution to the greater body more seriously? That's what we're going to be asking you to do. We're going to be asking you to become the kind of person that has a personal culture that says, I am going to influence, impact the world around me through being a person of intention and purpose. So, All right, so. yeah. Okay. So one of the things that you might be looking at right now is, oh, Carrie, that's easy for you. Like you grew up in the church, you're a super outgoing person, things like that come naturally to you. I am coming to you guys as the more natural, quiet, reserved person. I am coming to you as the person who did not grow up with any kind of intention whatsoever until I became a Christian in my college years. So I know sometimes that it can be easy to be like, like he said, like, oh, yeah, we'll let the, like, really, like, outgoing or the really, like, you know, energetic people or the people who aren't scared of anything bring people around or reach out to people. But that's, you know, maybe just not who I am. So if you are maybe one of those people or maybe you're in middle school and this is, like, your first time really getting to experience, like, inviting for cross chat, or, you know, or you're starting to start building your own friendships as middle schoolers. You know, up until now, it was just, you know, your friends with who mom and dad, you know, bring you around or whatever. But now as some of you guys are moving to those next phases of your life, it's really good for you to start looking at why do I form the relationships that I do. And we're going to look at five different reasons um, we're going to look at 10 total, but five, the first five we're going to go over are some of the, you know, okay, not horrible re reasons to form relationships, but to be honest, they're more of the self-focused, selfish reasons. The first one is we, we, I form my relationships for fun. You know, like you said, there's maybe some of you out there that are like, yeah, when I go to school, when I go play my sport, I go to band, I go to cheer, I go play Dungeons and Dragons, whatever it may be, is your number one reason like I'm going to, you know, get these friendships because it's a good time and I want to have a good time. 
Uh, the second one might be you might form a relationship out of pure comfort. You know, you know you have those people that you gravitate towards because, you know, maybe they're exactly like you or they're not scary or, you know, you know, I know those people who bring the same person to cross chat for 15 years, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but it's also I've made friends with this one person because it's comfortable for me and they don't scare me and it never pushes me out of my, out of my comfort zone. Uh, the third one is just, just for companionship. You're lonely, you know? I, God, no matter, no matter what personality type you are, like I said, me, total introvert growing up. I'm happy to sit down and read seven, 800-page books growing up my entire life, and I would say to you, I didn't need anybody. I was completely fine being on my own, but God created us to long for relationship and for companionship. But if you are out there and you're pursuing relationships simply so you're not alone, with, with no intention behind it, then that is one of self-focus. Um, the fourth reason why I form relationships sometimes is for validation. Again, I'm not going to ask you guys to raise hands, but a lot of us grew up not feeling very, very validated, not feeling like maybe I was worth something or I'm good enough. A lot of our parents weren't what they should have been, so a lot of us deeply struggle with insecurity, and so in that, we go and we look for relationships to validate that I am worth something. You know, if people like me or they accept me in, in, in a relationship, then it says that there is something about me that's worth it. And the fifth thing is social advancement. And, you know, we were going back and forth on what to even call this because for me, I'm even like, it's all about your ego, for you, going and pursuing a relationship is, I'm going to become friends with this person because then that moves me up even higher on the social ladder. That person, people like. So if I'm seen in relationship with them, then that also gives me some, some clout. You know? And when you look at those things, like I said, like fun and even you know, to be around someone who's comfortable, to have companionship, those aren't necessarily bad things. You know, we look at four and five validation and social advancement. That's when it starts to kind of get kind of murky and it just becomes incredibly self-focused. But when you look at those five things, it's funny, and I really do want to speak to some of you guys who are, except, or are younger, is that I'm coming to you as a 40-year-old woman to let you know that when you go into relationships, I remember it, you think that the self-focused or the selfish reasons, Satan will distort it into thinking like, yes, I, this is going to make me feel good. And I can promise you, as you look back on your life, those reasons and those relationships are completely unfulfilling. You can be the most popular kid in school. You can be the best athlete on the team. You can be the funniest kid in class. You can be, you know, whatever. And I promise you, you will look back on that time. And if you didn't do anything of any substance, if you didn't go in with any intention, if there is nothing eternal changed, no one is closer to God because of those relationships, you will look back with complete and utter regret. Again, I think it's incredibly important to be super involved in something. That's something I've always pressed on my kids is if you've got a talent, if you're good at something, you join that team. You, you run for student council. You be involved because every time you join something, that's a new sphere of people. 
something we talk to college kids about all the time is if you, well, it's kind of hard right now, but before, if you don't go to class, how the heck you meet anybody? If you skip all the time, how on earth we ever form a relationship with somebody, you know? And if I don't care how much you hate that class, go to it for simple the fact that you, God has put you there to intentionally meet someone and perhaps change their life forever. And I look back on a lot of the things that I, and I was even talking to Ashley earlier, a lot of people are like, high school, thank God it's over. It was the worst years of my life. I'm not going to lie. High, high school is pretty good to me. I liked it. You know, people were like, I would never go back. I'm like, yeah, I'll go back. It was a good time. Like, you know, I'm a three-sport athlete. I was a homecoming queen. You know, I mean, it wasn't perfect. There were, you know, there were mean kids, but for the most part, I went to a pretty decent school. Like, we always won the state championship, or we'd at least do pretty good. Like, I was like, yeah, I was, you know. At the time, I thought I was fat, but I look back now, and I was like, you were good looking. Like, you know, and I'm like, but the biggest thing I can tell you guys is, at the end of the day, what do I have to show for that? I would, I promise you guys, if I could go back right now, I would in a heartbeat, simply for the fact that I could use those different things that I was a part of to be intentional and to make a difference in people's lives. When you look back and you're 40 and half your class is divorced and they're miserable and they're right, I mean, you guys know if you're on Facebook, 40 plusers do not, like, they do not know how to use it. They overshare, they put stuff on there that's like, oh my gosh, what is wrong with you? But I'm telling you, like, there's a part that I look at that and my heart truly breaks. And I know that I bear responsibility for the fact that some of these people's lives could have been completely and utterly different had I used those times to be intentional and build those relationships for something other than what it gave to me. Some of the most capable people in the kingdom of God are the least effective people in the kingdom of God simply because of the fact that we're so selfish. This is the only reason we form relationships with people. Some of you, I look at some of you in our ministries, and I look at you, and I'm like, there is absolutely no reason that person is not more effective at reaching people. And I'm going to tell you, there's two reasons that, it, that I think that takes place. One of them is you're just a total and utter hypocrite. And so no one's going to come with you because they're not going to follow someone who has no purpose and intention in their life who wants to go play games at church. So one reason is that you, and, and you probably don't want to invite people because then they'll know you're full of crap. That's one of the reasons I think some of you are so capable and so ineffective. The second reason is, is because you're just too selfish. You don't care, you don't love enough to get past these reasons for friendship and to work into something more purposeful and more intentional. And so some of you who are so stinking capable are so ineffective. And it's such a a sad thing to see. I think about some of the friends I grew up going to church camp with. I had some friends who were extremely capable, extremely talented, of all different shapes, of all different sizes. One of the funniest guys I know who can relate to anybody, his life's a train wreck because he's been self-focused his whole life. So he's never helped anybody, and he is more capable probably than anybody I know at breaking down barriers, but he's lacking the, op- he's lacking the ability to do so because he focuses on these things because he thinks relationships like this are going to make him happy and feel fulfilled, and they don't at all. And some of you have got to come to grips with the fact that you don't, you're not being effective in the kingdom because this is how you view relationships, 
It's all about you. It's all about how it makes you feel, how it makes you look, where it puts you in a social status, what your comfort is, what you're, you want to make sure you have fun. That's what it's about for you. And the sad thing is, is your relationships will all be, always be shallow. They'll always create more insecurity in you, and you will never be effective in the kingdom. It's time to get real about why we do what we do. Now Hannah's going to kind of address, not that, you know, like she said, those, most of those reasons aren't bad. They're not bad things if they're a part of your relationship, not if they're the goal, the focus, the intent. So now let's look at the intentional reasons to form relationships that will actually also end up giving you better relationships. Okay, so if you're taking notes, I want you to write, I form relationships out of. And then later, I want you to ask yourself, are these five of the main components of the reasons why I form relationships? The first one is my love for God. Like I said, not natural for me. Not natural at all. You know, sometimes, I mean, I remember spending a big part of the beginning of my relationship with God and with Carrie being kind of angry that things seemed to come so natural to him. But then as I grew and I matured more, I realized that it wasn't always super easy for him, especially because of hurts and pasts and a bunch of different things, but that it ultimately came out of his relationship or his love for God. And so for me, sometimes it's just about being obedient. I don't feel like maybe doing something or maybe I think I'm not good at this or whatever, but if every single morning you wake up and you ask God and you pray and you also go into it with an intentional thinking of every place I go in today is perhaps an opportunity for me and I love God and God is asking me to care for other people and to build relationships and, and, you know, to do these things simply because of what he has done for me, then it really is just change your perspective. There are times where I'm like, I don't really want to go and do this today, but this might be the only time that I might be in, in, in a community or be around different people that God has placed in my life to, you know, to interact this way. It really does change even your perspective on your attitude you know, have you ever walked into some place and you're just like, I don't want to be here and I'm in a bad mood. Maybe you got in a fight or maybe things just, you know, whatever, or this is, everything's frustrating or aggravating. But if you walk into a place and you say like, I'm not going to be able to show the love of God to anyone here if I come in and have a crap attitude or I act like I don't want to be here or, you know, or I stay to myself the entire time. But due to my love for God and my gratitude for what God has done for me, it really is funny how it can completely and utterly change my perspective. And it can allow someone who is more naturally quiet and shy, feels super awkward, feels like I never have the right things to say, that I do feel God helping me build these and form these relationships with people that if you would have told me back when I was your guys' age, that I would like walk into a room and be like, hey, what's up? My name's Hannah. What do you blah, blah, blah. I would have like never in a million years believed you. But when you go into a situation with that love, um, one thing is, you know, my other kids, you know, have their own way to school, but we always drove them to school and we'd pray. And one of the things that Lincoln is, you know, in fifth grade and we pray every day is that I, I start, like, we used to always pray, like, dear God, you know, you let them know that you put them, like right now it's you put them at Flint Hill Elementary for this exact reason at this exact time because you wanted him there. And one of the things that we've, I've just, you know, started, started to kind of change the prayer is because you might be the only way 
that some of these kids at school today will see the love of God at all. I, I think one thing Hannah said is, you can just leave that turned up so we don't have to worry about that. So one thing that um, Hannah said is that it's born out of a gratitude. And so if you're not building relationships because of your love for God, it's probably because you're not very grateful for how much God loves you because Paul tells us that we should do what we do out of the compulsion of Christ's love for us. Christ's love compels me. It pushes me to do these things. So if you don't love God enough for it to push you to do these things, then we've got to ask ourselves, am I really grateful for what God has done for me? Is my love strong enough for him that it pushes me to build these relationships? Okay, the second reason that I should ask myself, do I form relationships out of my love for other people, for them? You know, I know we talked about this some last night, but I was super challenged by that is, am I looking at the people that God has put in my life? When you guys go to class, do you see the people around you as Jesus saw them? as helpless and harassed and hurting. You know, one thing, like I said, when we try to like teach our kids, it's like, so-and-so is such a jerk in my class, blah, 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 can't stand him. They're like, hey, I wonder why. I wonder why he acts this way. Because you know, like third or fourth graders don't just tend to be giant jerks out of nowhere, some are, but for the most part, they probably have some form of maybe dysfunction in their life. You don't know what happened at home that morning, you know, whatever it might be, and try to change that focus to, you know, uh, do I love them enough to see that they might be hurting? You know, it's easy for us to justify like, well, I'm in a bad mood because this and this and this, and other people should put up with me and love me. But do we turn that around and look at other people from that same lens? You know, maybe you're not forming relationships with other people because you just don't give a crap. It's really, really easy, I feel like, in your middle school and high school years especially, to survive. You're like, I'm just trying to go to class, I'm trying to go to school, I gotta get up at the same time every day and go here and drudge through this, I can't stand this teacher, why do I ever need to learn this? You know, and you're just like, I'm just getting through it. I'm just getting through it. And I, I would just really challenge you guys to really, like I said, wake up in the morning and be like, I have the opportunity to go and do these things and not just survive and not just drudge through it, but I have the opportunity to go and love people deeply and to care about their future and to care about their eternity. And again, a gratitude issue here. That's what someone did for you. Someone looked at you as helpless and harassed and saw how screwed up life can be without God. And they looked at you and they loved God and they loved you desperately enough to do what it took. You know, one of the things I've talked about in a lot of lessons on evangelism before is the fact that a lot of people say, You're af- I'm afraid to talk to other people about Jesus. I'm afraid to talk to strangers about these things. And I think we need to change our language from that to say, not that I'm afraid, I just don't love them enough to allow my my fear to be overridden. You see, that's the real issue is, do you love people enough? Do you love God enough? And do you love other people enough to override your fears? If you saw your little brother or sister drowning in a pool, but you couldn't swim, are you going to sit there and let them drown? Or are you going to jump in? I know for me, I don't care if I can swim or not. I'm not I can't sit there and watch my sibling or one of my kids drown. My love for them is going to push me beyond my fear to do what it takes. That's, that's, you know, do you love God and do you love people more than you care about your own self and your own fear? Number three is my longing for them to love God. And we'll jump into number four right behind that because they kind of go piece to, you know, together. Is my longing for them to love others. You know, like he said is, I don't want to ever look back on my life and someone else look back and be like, so you had all this 
and you didn't, you didn't care to share it. You didn't want me to be a part of this. You, you know, you, you had God and all these things in your life. Like, again, I know none of our lives are perfect, but I think if a lot of us were to step back, we would definitely be able to, if we said it, you know, completely with a clear mind that God has done a lot for us, that a lot of us have friendships and relationships. And I mean, especially, I'm going to talk especially to you youth, you youth kids, you guys have adults who love you and pour into you and care for you that I would have literally given my right leg for when I was your guys' age. And there's a whole lot of other people, a whole lot of other peers around you who desperately need what God has to offer them. And, and we're robbing them of an opportunity to have a relationship and love God, but also we're robbing other people down the line that they will love, that they'll pour into. You know, that discipleship is I pour into you so your life so that you can have what God has so that you can and then turn around and give it to somebody else. So there's a, a whole group of people out there that are just sitting there waiting for us. But then you guys have to think even a broader scale. There's a whole other group of people out there that those people could be loving and reaching. I know you guys are like, like I said, it's like kind of tunnel vision right now. You may not be thinking about it a lot, but a lot of you guys are getting older to where you're starting to think of families down the road. I want you to think about that. Like I said, for me, it's easy to look back because I'm in my, my 40s and to see all the devastation and the divorce and the broken families. But for some of you guys, just think about like, this person who sits next to me could have an amazing family someday because I just choose to do what I need to do. I love them enough to look at that and to not have such, like I said, tunnel vision of I got to get through today. I have to turn in this assignment. I have to do this. Oh my gosh, my parents won't get off my back, you know, or even in college, like I just want to drudge through this. I want to get through it so that my real life can begin where I have a job and I have money and you know, everything else. But looking at God put me in this very specific time and place because somebody's life completely down the road is going to be forever changed because their love for God and then their love for other people. And that goes into the fifth point is my desire to change eternities. It's not just about this life here on earth. Yes, that, like I said, to look at it and be like, you know, something could be so different for them here. But when you look at something from an eternal perspective, it very much so changes things. You know, kind of like what Maria and TC were talking about is it's easy to look and be like, ah, I don't want to be rejected versus I care more about, I care less about you going to hell forever than I do about maybe you telling me no. You know what I'm saying? Like when you look at it from like an eternal perspective like that, it's really hard to swallow. And I'm saying this to myself. I've been there before where I'm like, oh, they just really seem like they have it all together here on earth. Like, I mean, she seems to be happily married. She seems to have good kids that she likes, you know? And that's, that's okay. Like, things aren't that horrible here on earth, so she'll probably be okay. I don't need to, like, you know, really push it. But then when I take a step back and I look at it from an eternal perspective, then I'm like, well, your life's cool here on earth. Hope you enjoy eternity. You know, it's like, so I didn't want to have somebody maybe tell me no or reject me. And I'm going to be honest with you guys. The rejection is way worse in our head than it ever is in real life. To be perfectly honest with you, most of your peers will respect you 
more if you are a person who stands by your convictions and you live that life out and you care about them and you're loving and kind, honestly, you're probably, they're probably going to view you in a way that's like, wow, like we're all here making these really dumb decisions <laughs> based out of insecurity and selfishness. They might not be able to verbalize that in their head, but there's that feeling. Well, I mean, look at them. They're, when you, <laughs> they're laughing behind your back when you say you're a follower of Christ, you're a disciple, and then you go do stupid stuff with them because you're too afraid to stand up and do what's right. And then they laugh behind your back about how you really don't fit anywhere because you're not one of them, but you're not one of us either. And so I think sometimes we allow, we allow those things to be overruled. And the sad thing about what Hannah's talking about here is when, she, you know, when you look at the two different kinds of relationships, the kind of worldly view of relationships that's really more about what I get out of it and a godly view that says I'm going to be intentional when it comes to relationships, this, there's, there's two people who get screwed over whenever you're not intentional in relationships. It's the people who you could be helping, you could be reaching, you could be introducing to God. You screw them over whenever you're selfish in relationship and not intentional and purposeful with them because they never get to experience something really good, but you also screw yourself over because you never get fulfillment in those relationships either. So you're going to be chasing that all of the time and it doesn't get any better. And you don't get to experience the blessing that you, that you get to pour into somebody's life because you love God, because you love them, because you want to see them love God. You want to see them love other people. You want to see their eternity change and you want to see them do that same thing for other people. And you will never get to experience the blessing of getting to see someone's life changed because God used you to help change their life and then get them to get to see them do that same thing for someone else. And we have all kinds of excuses for why we don't invest in these kind of intentional relationships but the sad thing is, is the life you, that you desire, the life you want, you will never experience. And you can excuse it away all you want, or you can choose to say, no, I'm going to become a person of intention. You see, Jesus, when he got here, was intentional in his relationships from the very start. He was intentional from the very moment he came into contact with his guys. Mark 1, 16 through 19, as Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone just a little further, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat and, and the hired men and followed him. See, from the very beginning, Jesus was intentional in his relationships. He's like, hey, guys, come follow me. And he knew what that meant. He was going to develop a relationship with them. They were, they were going to live with him. They were going to follow him and live with him for years. For three years, he was going to train them, and he was going to be in intentional relationship with them, but he also had the intention from the very beginning, and he let them know, hey, I'm doing this because I'm going to have you reproduce what I'm doing, and you're going to go fish for men just like I came and followed you. And, and, and that's what, got, from the very beginning, Jesus said, I'm going to have intentional relationships. He came here with a purpose. He came here with a clear intention to save us from our sin. And then he said, now I want you to do that same thing for other people because when you love God and you love people, that's what you do. And so what, one of the things we wanted to do today is we want to make sure while we're kind of like trying to push you guys and challenge you on these things, about the heart of it, 
you know, why you do what you do, the intention of it. We also want to give you some practical steps because we get the fact that, listen, not everyone is just gifted in all of these areas to where you're going to just boom, you're going to hit all, you're going to start up a conversation. Next thing you know, you got somebody at church. Next thing they're studying, they're baptized. Boom, it just boom, 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 boom happens. For some people, that's the way it is. And it's not even always the people you think it's going to be. That's the funny thing. There's a, there's a lady named Sissy Liley who was a part of our church when I was a kid. Sissy was, and I'm not being crass, but Sissy was not very good looking. Sissy was always overweight, and she could act like a psycho. I'm just telling the truth. Anybody who knows her, Sissy would have told you that herself. And when you looked at Sissy, she looked down and out. She looked, she didn't look like the kind of person you would follow, but guess what? The Pruitts wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Sissy Liley, nor would a lot of other people. And, and it doesn't matter who you are, what your background is, where you come from, what your fears are. Every one of you are totally capable of having intentional and purposeful relationships that can change people's lives. You've just got to get past yourself in order to get there. And we're going to give you some really clear, easy stuff, some, some stuff from the book, some stuff we've added and switched around a little bit. But it's just very clear, easy things that if you choose not to be selfish and choose to be purposeful and have intention, you can start relationships and you can have conversations with people that will bring about life change in their lives. Uh, yeah, so these are the things how I can connect to others. Okay, the first thing that we can do is our shared knowledge or stories. Every single one of us has a story. It doesn't matter who you are, you had something. You have a birth, you had a childhood, and some of you are getting out of that just now out of childhood. Some of us, you've lived 20 plus years. You have something, and you have a story. You have some way to relate to somebody. You look at Jesus in, um, in John 5, 5 through 6. A certain man was lying, <clears throat> sorry, a certain man there who had been sick for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there, knowing that he had already been there a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Jesus asked intentional questions. He got to know people. He knew everything, and yet still, if you look at some of the situations where Jesus personally interacted with individuals, he asked them questions to really get to know them. A lot of times, we don't even know that we have something in common with somebody else, or we don't even know something's there or a way to relate to someone because we're simply just not even attempting to ask any questions. You know, this, like, I, like he said, some of us, these, these are things I personally had to learn. I had to sit back and watch Carrie interact. And I know it sounds silly, but I'm not too prideful to admit, I didn't even know how to have conversations with people. The thought of walking up and talking to a stranger made me want to vomit everywhere. And even still to this day, it makes me a little whatever. But I mean, there's not a single place that we don't go that Carrie doesn't know that person's life story by the time we've left. I mean, we could be at a drive-through and he'll have somehow struck up a conversation about something in that person's life. And we're gonna go into some of those details of some of those things a little bit more. But in the book, he talks about that. Is like, there's somebody out there who has experienced something close to what you've experienced. And it's such an easy way sometimes, and I know it sounds crazy, but Sometimes the easiest things to connect on are like, oh, you got a crazy mom too. <laughs> Let's talk, you know, or, you know, or like simple, like, you know, oh, we're studying the same thing or, oh yeah, when I was younger, you know, I also, you know, went to, I don't know, Florida every year. Like it, it doesn't have to be super traumatic, although a lot of us do have some pretty traumatic things that have, you know, happened or some deep wounds in our lives 
that if we take that and we, and we offer that part of our story up and we look at it as an opportunity to build relationships with other people, you would, you would just be floored at some of the deepest, best relationships that have started simply by being like, me too. You, you, and you have to intentionally look at people to figure these things out, these things out. Like, you know, if you're, you know, the other, we'll be at the gym and you'll see somebody at the gym who, you know, who walks by. And the other day, I, I probably look like a total creeper, but this girl walks by and she has a tiger wrestling camp shirt on. And she doesn't look like a wrestler. I'm like, hey, do you wrestle? And she's like, no, why? And I'm like, oh, you got a tiger wrestling camp shirt on. She's like, no. And I was like, okay. And, you know, and, but it was a way to strike up a conversation. And you, you see things from your past, things that you've grown up, things that you know about, things that you have knowledge of, stories that you can think of from your past. And you look around at what's going on around. And you're like, oh, man, I, I think I could connect with this person this way. And, and be like, you know, hey, what's going on? Even simple things like, you know, like, hey, so did you, like, did you grow up here? Oh, no, I'm not from St. Charles County. I, I said, and then you're like, oh, nobody is. Everybody's moved into St. Charles County. You know, this used to be, nobody used to live here. Where are you from originally? And you just keep, you keep asking questions, you know, like Jesus would. Are you married? Oh, no. Well, where's your husband at? Oh, oh, yes, right. Cause you, and then he works it in, but you're not married. Then you're living with some dude who's not even your, you know, you find ways to lead conversations to where you have opportunities to, to share with them something good that you have. But you've got to be intentional and purposeful and looking for those things. But you, like Hannah said, you all have stories. You all have things from your background that allow you to connect with other people. Another one is language. And I, I, we talked about whether we're going to keep this in here or not. And I kept this, this part in here specifically to cover because of college ministry especially. Uh, you know, you go on a college campus and you hear accents all over a college campus, right? People talking, you're like, that's a different, that's a different accent, that's a different language. You know, and, and seeing those things provide you opportunities to be like, hey, where are you from? And, you know, and it might feel a little awkward at first, but it's that opportunity for you to strike up a conversation over something that's so simple and that is so, like, so clear that there's a difference, I was going to say, um, this is something that um, I have watched Carrie do probably 500 times. Um, so we like Tucanos. Do you guys know what that is? It's the Brazilian steakhouse in, mm. in St. Charles. So we probably use it as an excuse to go there a little more often than we should. But um, every person, <laughs> get what I'm talking about, um, every person who carries around like the little meat skewers or whatever is international, every single one. And every time we go there, they'll come up and, you know, and it, especially at first, you can kind of tell that a lot of them, I feel like, are kind of insecure even about it. They'll try to say as few words as possible. You know, they'll try to be, you know, you know kind of real quick and then move away. And every time they'll say something, Carrie will be like, hey, where are you from? You sound like, you know, a friend of mine. And they'll be like, oh, I'm from blah, blah, blah. And then you can kind of tell they're like a little like, what's going on here? And they'll be like, oh. I used to work at Lindenwood University in student life and leadership, and I had so many international students that worked for me. And I'm telling you guys, when we talk about people who are different, I watched Carrie work at that university as a very strong Christian who held to his beliefs like nobody's business, be so close and, in, and, and friendly and influential with people from so many different religions. Like, I, um, he was probably 
the, the most liked person at Lindenwood from a lot of the Muslim students that worked for him. Still to this day, you guys, that was, I don't know how long ago, a long time ago you worked there. Eight years. Eight years. Mm-hmm. Still to this day, they'll like call him up and talk to him. I'll see him talking to him on Facebook. They'll like come to my restaurant and come eat our food. We'll let you eat for free, you know. And it's really funny because it's all simply because he saw somebody who was different, even spoke differently, and, was, and took a, a genuine interest in it. And I'm, I know every time we go to Tacanos, I know exactly how that conversation is going to go. They're like, oh, yeah, you're from, you're from there? Do you know so-and-so and so-and-so and so? And it's funny because every single time you just see their face light up. And they're like, yeah, I know him. <laughs> yeah, that, you know, especially because they do, you know, tend to stay in community with each other. So these kids could have went to college 10 years ago and worked under Carrie, and yet they'll still know college students right now. And it's just so funny because, well, then the next thing they come by and they're like, what kind of meat you guys want? Because, like, we only do beef and we only See, do a medium get, rare. You both benefit, right? <laughs> Their eyes like, light up and we get more steak. Yeah, like, like, it's like, don't bring the vegetables back. And they're yeah, like, don't bring the vegetables. Just the red meat. It needs to be bleeding when it gets here. But, you Thank know, you. like, it's so funny to see just how their entire perspectives change how their entire demeanor changes. And like I said, guys, that's not something I do well, but it is something that I can definitely sit back, and then at the end I know he's going to be like, well, hey, if you're ever, you know, on a Sunday, you know, blah, 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 and invite him to church and plant those seeds. Um, The third way that we can uh, practically uh, just start conversation to build relationships is um, through my or their techniques, skills, and tools. You know, Jesus came to earth, and he didn't just come and was like, I'm here to preach. He had a trade. He was a carpenter. Um, Matthew 13, 53 through 55 says, when Jesus finished these parables, he departed. When he, sorry, this is really small font for me. When he came, when he came to his hometown, he taught the people in their synagogue. They were surprised and said, where did he get this wisdom from? Where did he get the power to work miracles? Isn't he a carpenter's son? Isn't his mother named Mary? Aren't James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas his brothers? You know, every, like I said, every single one of us have something. You have something that you're, that you're good at. You have something that you can do. And not only can you strike up conversations with people based off of, you know, those things, but also you can, it can move from just conversation to, you know, actual building of relationship. Oh, you, I've, I've gotten to see this in the campus ministry. I've gotten to see it, you know, with my brother-in-law, with Ryan, these guys that are, like, good at working on cars or they, like, like to talk about cars, you know. We'll always joke that, you know, if you get a guy who likes to talk about a car and another guy who likes to talk about a car, come back and check on him in two hours because they'll still be going, you know. And, it, and it's those things that, you know, God has given every single one of you something. There's something that all of you guys either have a skill or a trade or, you know, whatever it is that gives you that opportunity to connect with somebody else. Like I said, right now in a lot of your guys' lives, and I can speak on this as, like I said, as a former athlete, cool that you can dribble a basketball, cool that you can run fast, but are you using that to help build relationships with other people that are into those kinds of things, that are good at those kinds of things, you know? And it's, it's a shame if God blesses you with an amazing talent and you do absolutely nothing eternal with it. 
And it can, see, it can be something seemingly insignificant. You see, the religious people looked at Jesus as a carpenter, and they're like, dude's a carpenter. Who cares what he has to say? But Jesus didn't come because for the, the healthy people. He came for the sick. And when Jesus became a carpenter, what he did was he put himself on the same, ple- the same level, the same platform as a normal, ordinary person. He didn't pick some fancy, you know, trade that everybody would look at me like, oh, I want to be like that, dude. He picked being a carpenter. And people, the religious people were like, so what? But other people were like, hey, this is a normal dude. Look what he's got. And he, and he found ways to connect with it. Some of you have just these normal, ordinary things that you do that you are looking, you wish you had this extravagant way to connect with people. And you're missing people around you all the time because not everyone has some extravagant talent to connect with. Other people out there are just like you. They're interested in same, normal, everyday things that you are, but we miss that opportunity to connect with people. You know, it's so easy to look at T-shirts people wear. I connect with people on T-shirts and, and hats and just silly, stupid things all the time. A pair of headphones at the gym. I'm like, hey, dude, you like them headphones? What? You like them headphones? Yeah. Oh, I love headphones. I've got two pair of this one and this one. And this. How, what do you think about that? And you just, start, you just start this conversation about like something stupid and random. And the next thing you know, you're developing a relationship with an intention behind it that says, I'm going to get involved in this person's life. You can find these things within yourself and ways to connect with other people if you care enough to do so. Where are we at here? Uh, huh? Yeah, or like the art, another one they talk about in the book is the arts and storytelling, movies, music, any way to connect with people that you can look at. You're like, oh, I, I heard that one time I pulled up in a parking lot and sometimes they connect with you and it's what you do with it. Pull up in a parking lot and I open my door and I'm blaring out some Lauren Hill Zion and I'm in this parking lot and this, this so I'm sitting there and it was so funny because I'm, I'm pumping gas and this, this, this black guy sticks his head around the corner, he looks at me and goes, are you playing that? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, that's like my favorite song. I named my kids Zion. I'm like, that's dope. I'm like, I wish I would have named my kids Zion. And we just start having this conversation. And I go, I go, why are you so surprised I'm listening to this? He's like, ah. You know, I'm like, oh, you're being racist. No. And he starts laughing. I'm like, no, I'm just kidding. You know, you like, there are so many ways to connect with someone. And, and, and we just... The plain and simple is we don't care enough to do it sometimes. It is so easy. Hey, have you seen this movie? What do you think? Oh, you get in a conversation about a movie, a TV show, a play, whatever it might be. There are so many opportunities to connect with people that we just pass right by because we don't care enough to be intentional and to look for those things. And this also kind of goes to what we were talking about before, where we look for like the self, like the selfishness versus the selflessness. There's, I can't even tell you how many times I've heard like somebody be like, I really want to go see this movie. And I've seen Christians and disciples be like, I'm not going to go see that. I don't like that kind of movie. What? Like they are literally like, I want to start building a relationship. Like the easiest way to build a relationship with someone is go to a movie go to a concert, you know, something that they're interested in that they like. Like I said, I have watched Carrie see something that somebody's really into and go do research on it and listen to the music and, you know, do this or that. And they'll, he'll find a way so they can come back and be like, hey, that band you told me about, I went and listened to them. I really liked this song. And like I said, you want to see somebody go from to lighting up and be like, man, you cared enough about me mentioning that I liked this band 
that you went and listened to that? Now, that's pretty simple, but you got to think about how selfish of a society we are that that that, that shows someone that you care about them. If, like I said, I cannot believe the amount of times that I have heard people say, I don't want to go do that because I don't like it. For real? Like, yeah, I've went and saw a lot of movies that I, am going to be honest with you, I had no desire to go and see. But if somebody gives me that opportunity to go spend a couple hours in close proximity and start building a relationship that could, you know, further change, you know, their, their future, I'm not going to go do that. Listen, if you ever see me playing a board game, there's going to be a lost person at that table. <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now, because you are not getting me to sit down at a, board, at a table to play a board game ever, unless there's someone who doesn't have a relationship with God there. Because, because here's the thing. I hate board games. I don't want to do with cards. I don't want to play a board game. I don't, anything that's going to confine me to a chair for a, an extended period of time is not on my high list of things to do, all right? It's just not. But I've had to do that multiple times in order to build a relationship with somebody. And I'll do it if, I, if, if it means that I'm being intentional with someone. And all of us have got to learn to do that, to look at those things and be like, I don't like this, but I'm going to try this anyway. I remember when Hannah first started kind of really, she's always been athletic, but when we first started going to the gym and doing CrossFit, she really wasn't about it at first. But I watched her go in and and realize, okay, you know what? Like, I'm going to go do this because this is a community of people where I can have conversations. And, I, and she would go and she would do it and she got better and better and better at to where then it got to where she had something that she could be like, hey, maybe try it this way. And she could connect with them on that level. But I've watched her do things that she was uncomfortable with at first as an insecure woman who, who says, I'm going to push through my insecurity of doing this and I'm going to make it work so that I can try to reach out to somebody. You know, I think that all of us have got to get over those, those selfish things within ourselves that keep us from connecting with people. Um, the fifth thing that we can do is that, that he talks about in the book is food and drink. In <laughs> um, yeah. Mark 2.15, it says, Jesus sat down to eat at Levi's house. Many tax collectors and sinners were eating with Jesus and his disciples. Indeed, many of them had become his followers. Guys, eat and drink, easiest thing in the world. You want to go get coffee? You want to go, you know... I, I can say I have forged a many, many relationships at a McAllister's Deli. You know, if you go through and I search McAllister's Deli on my bank account, I promise you probably 95% of that was during a time of trying to forge a relationship. You know, everybody's got to eat. <laughs> Everybody likes some type of food. You know, in the book he talks about especially things like if you find out somebody likes sushi, all right, man. We'll go eat. Guys, I'd never tried it before until I think I was 35 years old. I was like, this is disgusting. But over here, everybody was like, sushi, sushi, sushi. And I was like, I got to be one of the cool kids and go try sushi. And we went on a date, a double date with some people we were reaching out to. And they were like, oh, my gosh, you got to try the sushi. And Carrie's like, you can just get boring rice and just eat it on the side. But I was like, oh, I'm going to eat the sushi. Well, one, it was a big mistake because now I like sushi. But, you know, you look at those things and, you know, the easiest way to kind of break down walls is, is during food. So you guys, and again, I know this year is kind of weird because you have to, maybe you sit at a desk or you sit at a, you know, a certain place to eat lunch. But there's something about eating that just, it relaxes us. You know, for some reason, when you're sitting down at lunch, all of a sudden everybody becomes, you know, chatty Cathy's. And you start learning everything about what's going on in everything, you know. Maybe in class, they're like a brick wall, but you sit down to lunch, and all of a sudden, 
you know, they're more willing to, to forge that relationship. Jesus was always <laughs> eating and drinking with people and using it as an intentional time to be looking for, you know, maybe those like kernels of truth they're going to drop during that time. I'm just going to fly through those. All right, so I'm going to fly through the last couple, and we're going to try to wrap this up. But, you know, there, there are lots of other ways. That, like Hannah said, food and drink is such a good one. Values. Things that you see that matter to other people are a great way to connect with them. You can have conversations about all kinds of things. You can do it on Facebook. You can do it on any kind of social media. You can do it in everyday life. You see a person who wears a shirt that has some kind of something that matters to them, not just a band, but, you know, a statement. And you're like, hey, tell me about your shirt. Tell me about this. It allows you to connect with people in powerful ways. Just being a part of the greater community, whatever that is. Oh, you've, you, St. Louis, the question, it was funny because when I was reading this book, Corey Trimble grew up in St. Louis, and he says, I grew up in St. Louis, and the first question I ask people is, see, that's why I don't think you really grew up in St. Louis, because he said, where, what part of the city are you from? I'm like, no, that ain't the St. Louis question, right? The St. Louis question is, what high school did you go to? That's, it, you, I don't know if you guys realize this or not, but like other people in other state, cities are like, why are you asking me that? And we're like, that's just the question people ask people in St. Louis. But anyway, it, part of the greater community, it could be being a Chiefs fan. Like, I, I, I promise you this. There is not a person I walk by in any store that's wearing anything that says Chiefs at all that isn't getting, hey, go Chiefs, right? Because it's an opportunity. It's not because of my love for the Chiefs. In most cases, I do love the Chiefs, but... It's because that's an opportunity to connect with that person. There, you know, it could be a lot of different things when it comes to community. Just something that you, you love, that they love, it, a lot of those things. And then finally, the thing is needs. Just keeping an eye out for the things that people need. Sometimes also people see something you need, and God, God uses that for you to find a way. And one time, we had a guy who picked up one of our members. Marlon, I think, got picked up, actually, by Charlie Blazer. Wasn't it you? He got picked up by Charlie Blazer, and next thing you know, Charlie starts coming to church, studying the Bible, becomes a Christian. You know, the, the, there are so many ways that you connect with people, you know, seeing a hurt in their life, seeing it something that they need. But what, I, what, I, what we really want you guys to understand is, is that none of this happens if you don't love God, you don't love other people, and you don't care more for them than you do yourself, and you don't choose to be a person of purpose and intent. You, you, you know, one of the things we used to try to beat into our students' head, you're not, you're not going to the university to get an education. And sometimes people are like, whoa, that is why they're there. No, that's, an, that's a bonus. You're not, you're not going to school to get an education. That's a bonus of why you're there. You get an education, thank God, that you, you have the opportunity to do that. But you are there to seek and save the lost. Like Jesus, the reason he came here was to seek and save the lost. You are there to fulfill the Great Commission, to make disciples. That's why you are wherever you are. That's why you're sitting at a booth in a restaurant talking to your server because you're there to make a disciple, not to fill your belly. You're on a sports team to have an impact in the wrestling room, on the football team, on the soccer field, and impact those people's lives for eternal consequences, not so that you can score a goal, get a takedown, make, have a pin, whatever it is. That's not why you're there. You're there to make a disciple. You see, we have to choose to be people of intention. And, and, and the more of you that choose to be purposeful and have a clear intent for why you build relationships the more impact the kingdom of God has the opportunity to have on the world around us. 
the more lives that will be changed and the more eternities that we will change when each and every one of us realize I'm supposed to be a person of intent. You know, there have been some Christian books out recently who say, well, we shouldn't go into relationships with an agenda. Well, bullcrap. Because, first of all, everybody that you come into contact with, every relationship anybody ever enters into, everybody has an agenda in a relationship. Right? We talked about that. Either selfish or godly ones. The good thing about the agenda that Christ has given you, the intent in relationship he has given you is that it blesses that person's life, not just yours. That's what's powerful about it. And all of us have got to decide that we're going to become people of purpose and going to be, become people of intent. All right, so I'm going to let Hannah wrap it up in a prayer. Yep, yeah, you are. So Hannah's going to pray for us. And then what, I think we've got free time until what time? Seven, what? 7.30? Okay, 7.30. Remember, you can get in here at 7.15 then, all right? Games. And we'll be playing the game in here. What time? Okay, so we'll have the, the NFL playoff games in here. You can go to Lakeside. You can go eat. Remember, again, guys, the specials upstairs, the hotel really was good to us. So if you, instead of driving to McDonald's and spending 10 bucks on a value meal, the food up there, I ate there last night. The food is so good. So the sweet potato fries are so good. But anyway, now I'm getting hungry. All right, so Hannah's going to pray for us, and we'll wrap it up. All right. Definitely, Father, I just want to... Um I just want to thank you for allowing us to be here, God. Um, I know um, that you have given every single person in this room um, the ability to be able to um, positively and eternally affect and change those lives around them, God. And I pray that as people, as disciples, as you know, flawed humans, God, that we will just take every single day and we'll either repent from our lack of intentionality and our lack of love, God, and, um, and change and, and start looking at things from that perspective, or God, continue to keep fighting through that. I know right now, especially, it seems like it can be really difficult, and we have to be creative, and I just pray, God, that none of us just coast through, that none of us just, you know, just sit back and, like Carrie said, just, you know, allow other people to fulfill your mission. I pray that every single person here can leave and go back to the second semester of school with an intention and a purpose and a mission that just completely changes those lives around us, God. I pray that our youth ministry and our campus ministry are a force to be reckoned with, God. And I truly 100% believe that you are capable of helping us do that. And I pray for anybody who's just really struggling right now or really just feels discouraged, God, that you will just allow them to be, um, to, to be humble and to learn from those around them and to get the help that they need. So that way we will be constantly reproducing godly disciples. God, thank you again for giving me this opportunity to even be up here um, to share out of a weakness but also to be able to see um, just how much you can change someone um, if we love you uh, enough, God. And I'm just, I'm just super, super grateful that we have this opportunity to be here. Thank you for everything that you've done to be able to, to allow this, this weekend to occur. And I pray that all of us are changed uh, for the better. In Jesus' name, amen.